We'd like to welcome you again to our current event and weekly Bible study for April 9th, 2012. And this is going to be a dedicated study on remote viewing, exposed, and validating historically and scientifically Jesus Christ. Kind of a combo study. And you'd say, well, what does that have to, what does one have to do with the other? Well, you'll see as we progress in the study. It's really another 25 pages of information. I'm only going to cover about another seven, and then that will be done. I don't know if I'll be able to get it done in the next part. There's a good chance I will, though. And the rest of the actual study is further validation regarding proving Jesus Christ from a scientific and historical perspective and all the Bible verses from the Old Testament and then the New Testament fulfillments. A lot of those you can review yourself. There's just too many. That's how many there are to try to actually review. And then what I'll be doing is actually, for the next month, doing a study, this study, taking a week off, doing another study, taking another week off. Um, I've got some things coming up that I need to attend to, and um, I kind of need a little bit of a break. I haven't taken a a week off in a long time, and I am just getting, the way the ministry's grown, and I'm, you know, in a position where I've had a lot of help with the website, in that, in, in, in that type of thing, and, um, from, uh, Dan, my listener, and, uh, Tim, who actually put the actual website up originally, but pretty much doing everything, um, on my own, we're getting a lot of new listeners, a lot of new email, a lot of, just everything piles and piles and it generates a lot more uh, work. So I need to kind of regroup a little bit and, and I'm going to do an every other week study for the next month and then um, probably then get back to once a week after that to, uh, you know, Lord willing. I, I don't know, obviously, from week to week how much time we have, but just wanted to let you know, um, thank everybody that, that um, again, that's donated to, to the ministry, your, uh, the people that are praying for us and the ministry, and um, I, I just praise the Lord Jesus Christ for you. I know without you, we, we, we couldn't be where we're at right now. The Lord's used you to, to enable us to, to keep putting out uh, truth and keep exposing this darkness. And this is another subject today that I haven't really, I've kind of touched on it, before, but never really done a study on it, and it's just, you know, we're going to expose remote viewing is what it's called. So remote viewing, and this is from really how it would define itself. I added the certain terms in. Remote viewing is the wicked occult practice, which I added the wicked and occult part, of seeking impressions about a distant or unseen target using paranormal means. In other words, it's just another branch of witchcraft, Okay. Uh, clairvoyance, these types of things. In particular, it uses extrasensory perception, or ESP, or sensing with the mind. Scientific studies have been conducted, some earlier, less sophisticated experiments, which supposedly produce positive results. But they also had invalidating flaws. Now, everything, these are, um, there's little references in here where you can actually see, you can click on it to see the invalidating flaws. And none of the newer experiments had positive results when done under properly controlled conditions. And there's five references to that as well. So, in other words, it's a very, very flawed, pseudo-paranormal occult science. 
I mean, it's right on par with Dionne Warwick's Psychic Friends network that had to go off, just like all those psychic hotlines do. Because they all end up getting sued because they put out so much bad advice that they ultimately have to, um, you know, file for bankruptcy because they're getting sued right and left. You know, people going with whatever they're being told and then it doesn't happen or maybe they make a decision that is disastrous because, you know, they're getting faulty, demonically inspired information and you get a bad consequence. So, the scientific community rejects remote viewing due to its absence of an evidence base. The lack of a theory which would explain remote viewing and the lack of experimental techniques, which can provide reliably positive results. It is also considered a pseudoscience. Typically, a remote viewer is expected to give information about an object that is hidden from physical view and separated at some distance. The term was coined by parapsychologist Russell Targ in Harold Puthoff while running an SRI team to distinguish it from clairvoyance. Remote viewing was popularized in the 1990s following the declassification of documents related to the Stargate Project, which was a $20 million research program sponsored by the U.S. federal government. Now, you, you're, you're thinking, what? The government had a... They put $20 million into this? Yeah. Tons of money into this... You know, they might as well just go out and buy, you know... 40 or 50 uh, crystal balls and scry them and get some tea leaves and, and, and read the tea leaves and scry the crystal balls and read a whole bunch of palms and, and uh, get the entrails and throw them up in the air and read the entrails. I mean, I'm, th- I'm thinking of every, like, voodooistic fortune tellery thing you could think of, you know. I know there's way more, but it's, it's along those lines. It really is. It's just another one of the occultic things that God totally forbids in the Bible. Now, I get into this, there's a study I did called Witchcraft Practices Biblically Defined, and this would fall under the heading of witchcraft practices. So, you can just key in witchcraft in the keyword search box at contendingfortruth.com, you'll find that. I've done several studies on witchcraft. This is under that heading, though, just so you know. Um, So, they put $20 million research into this remote viewing called the Stargate Project, um, sponsored by the U.S. federal government, to determine any potential military application of this psychic phenomenon. The program was eventually terminated in 1995 because it had failed to produce any useful intelligence information. Well, that doesn't exactly speak in glowing terms of remote viewing. And I want, I said all that up front so as to establish a foundation so that we know right off the bat, remote viewing's a fraud. I mean, yeah, I mean, the, uh, uh, any clock is right two times per day. You know what I mean? I mean, if it's like if it's stuck on six, a, a broken clock is right two times a day. I should say. So if it's stuck on six o'clock, there's going to be two times per day that it's that it's got the right time on the clock. Okay, six a.m., six p.m. Remote viewing is very much like that. It's very much like the, under that under that heading and classification. They sink $20 million into this garbage, and it, produced, it, it failed to produce any useful intelligence information. Yet, this information is now being further propagated and further used, and further used to deceive people, to now discredit 
Jesus Christ, the historical record uh, of Jesus Christ, the biblical record, you know, everything you can possibly imagine, it's just being used in a, in a gigantic way by the same charlatans, and primarily by the same charlatans that participated in this same in this initial $20 million project, Stargate Project. And that's what we're going to talk about next. And it's called the U.S. government's remote viewing cult. Because it's, it's a cult. These people that really get into this, like this Major Ed Dames, well, he's their cult leader. And he's the one propagating this false religion, which is what it really is. Like many other belief systems that are born from pseudo-scientific examination of paranormal concepts, the government's analysis of the psychic phenomenon eventually resulted in a whole community of believers within the government's scientific community. In 1979, when the DIA took over, I don't know what that DIA stands for, but when the DIA took over funding and tasking of the remote viewing research, interest within intelligence and scientific circles was spreading rapidly. Fort Meade, Maryland was the location where the NSA, National Security Agency, and the Army's INSCOM conducted a majority of the RV research. RV um, standing for remote viewing, not recreational vehicle. Anyway, in 1979, very few individuals knew of the existence of the government's RV program. According to a particular Army memo, access is limited to those personnel approved on a by-name basis. It was at this point when most of the military folks began undergoing SWANS training procedures which were mostly based on the principles of Scientology's auditing procedures. So they were commingling this occult phenomenon, this, no, not phenomenon, but this, this occult practice of remote viewing. It was integrally mingled with what they, the, it's called swan training procedures, which was actually based off Scientology's auditing procedures. Scientology being a total false religion that I've exposed before. In fact, I give you the links here where I expose it. You know, straight for the pit of hell, Scientology. So again, if the foundations be destroyed, what can the righteous do? It's a great example here of remote viewing's corrupt foundation. So listed here are individuals who have influenced either directly or indirectly from their interactions with SRI labs, remote viewing research, and or established training slash auditing procedures that were involved. In almost all cases, you can see how this period of research in the government's history resulted in a formation of a cult of sorts. Today, you can find most of these individuals still actively supporting a set of beliefs that's based more on warped faith than on any kind of real science. Members of the U.S. government's remote viewing cult from the 70s. Now, there's a whole list here. I'm not going to go over every single one of them. You can read uh, the individual ones. I'm just going to Go over some of the names and hit some of the high points. Skip Atwater, uh, he was the operations and training officer for U.S. Army Intel. Um, he has published technical research on methods on expanding consciousness. And so he was uh, one of the guys. Then uh, quite a few other different people are listed here. Ed Dames being the most famous one. The one that I got another video from the viewer that originally had sent me some of this information and um, he's got one called Killshot now up on the internet. And it's always about some impending world basically ending event. I mean, like literally cataclysmic to the point where everybody's going to be underground and everybody's going to be dead above ground. 
is essentially the way it's going down. I don't see any Bible for that. That's the biggest problem I have. I don't see any Bible for some cataclysmic event to the point where nobody's left on planet Earth and we're not even in the tribulation yet. So what, are we going to go through the tribulation with like 10 people on the planet? I mean, come on. I just don't see the Bible for that. I see a lot of fear-mongering. And, you know, but he's supposedly really accurate. Yeah, that's why they shut you down before, because you were so accurate. The 20 million they sunk in the government. If they, you know if they were getting results, they'd keep it up. And now they probably are in other black ops areas that maybe are off the books. But they even admitted they weren't getting reliable results with this stuff. So he was the uh, INSCOM DIA remote viewing program, uh, was involved in that. He claims to have been trained by Ingo Swan of 1983. Um, anyway, he was one of the main guys. Another guy, Werner In- Enhard, he was a former Scientologist. He was part of them. I'm skipping over a lot of people, but you can read about him here. Senator Claiborne Pell, along with Charlie Rose, was one of the Washington's biggest supporters of psychic research. In 1988, he introduced the bill to get the government funding for the New Age Group, the National Committee on Human Resources. Al Gore was a co-sponsor. So you got a lot of really nasty characters associated with this. On the advisory board, uh, he was also on the advisory board of the International Association of Near-Death Studies. Now, I've also done a study on near-death experiences. You can can near-death at contendingfortruth.com where we debunk... The whole, oh, anybody, you know, all these ungodly people that are having these near-death experiences or these afterlife experiences where they all tend to go toward the light, we debunk that thoroughly. Um, as though everybody goes to heaven no matter what. You know, only the really, really, really bad people go to hell. You know, and again, that is a whole big satanic line ploy, but it, it's really fooled a ton of people. And a lot of people have... Um, really bought into that. So, uh, one of the next guys, and I'm skipping over a lot of people, uh, Mel Riley, he, um, the RV session with Riley monitored by Ed Dames was shown in the PSI files, uh, the real, called the Real X Files, written and narrated by Jim Schnabel. Um, so that was another one of the guys. And then General Albert Stubblebine. Now, this guy... I recognize him right away because I've already I've got a whole document exposing him and his uh, wife, Rima Labo. He's a former head of U.S. Army Intelligence and Security Command from 1981 to 1984. Uh, him and a guy named Colonel John Alexander have had numerous spoon-bending parties. They get together and they bend spoons with their minds. You ever see that? I'm not lying. They get together and then through their psychic um, superpowers or whatever, they can bend spoons. You know? Uh, Pretty wacky, off-the-wall stuff. But yeah. Uh, He's married to UFOologist Rima Labo, but see, their main deal right now is they're in the health, they're in the alternative health field, and they're supposedly these big health advocates preventing people from taking away our health rights, and I'm all for that, and I, I mean, been for that for years, but their agenda is not what people think it is. They're actually the bad guys working 
inserted into that movement by design to get you off the real scent of where the actual real problem is. John Hamill's exposed them a lot. I've got a whole Word document exposing them, but they're not to be trusted. Okay, And anybody that's involved with this stuff is not to be trusted. So I get a lot of emails uh, from people forwarding me their stuff, and I have to tell them in you know, all politeness that you know actually they're part of the problem. So, soon after becoming head of INSCOM, Stubblemine began a program called High Performance Task Force, a series of methods to improve his officer's performance. These range from neurolinguistic programming of Tony Robbins to the hemi-sync tapes of the Monroe Institute where Stubblebine often sent his officers. you got to be real careful with any of this neurolinguistic programming, any of this strobe stuff where you put glasses over your eyes and it strobes and all that stuff. That stuff is not to be messed with. You're, you're, it's trying to get you into an altered state of consciousness, which is the same thing that like Transcendental Meditation is attempting to do. And what it does is, is it allows the demons to enter and access you from a body, soul, spirit standpoint, particularly through the mind, much more readily. Okay, yeah, you might do a lot better on your tests, and there might be tangible results or whatever, but it's not something you want to mess with. It's not something you can understand what might be happening to you on a spiritual level because you can't see demons. So, it's just something you don't want to mess with. Uh, Following an incident involving an officer having a psychotic episode in the Monroe Institute, Stubblebine resigned in 1984. And then another person associated with this remote viewing, Ingo Swan. What a name. Ingo Swan. Um, Swan helped establish Scientology's Celebrity Center in Los Angeles. According to Peter Tompkins and Chris Bird, Swan attributes his success to techniques he learned in Scientology. Scientology. L. Ron Hubbard. High-level, high-level Satanist. Okay, L. Ron Hubbard. Um, Very, very evil stuff, Scientology. Now, I've done two teachings on Scientology. One entitled Scientology, Aleister Crowley, L. Ron Hubbard, and Black Magic. Nice little light-hearted title, I know. And then the other one is The Lure of New Age in Scientology. And I give you the teachings here. It's on page... Well, actually, no. Since this is going to be a dedicated teaching, I don't know two or three of the PDF for this teaching. Um, Swan and Putoff attended the first International Congress on Psychotronic Research in Prague, Czechoslovakia. Indigo was there to present a paper on the Scientology paradigm as a model for developing and exploring paranormal abilities. So this remote viewing really grew out of Scientology at its core. Another guy, Jack Verona, he oversaw Project Sleeping Beauty, which dealt with researching microwaves on how they affect the human mind. And microwaves are not good. Microwaving your food, microwaving your water is horrifically bad. Horrifically. If you want to destroy all the nutritional content of the food, even altering and distorting the molecular... uh, makeup of even water. It's not even safe to boil water in a microwave. That's how bad it is. Not only that, it also, it doesn't capture all of the microwaves in the microwave. It does leak, which actually can affect you as well. Um, the Russians have banned microwaves. They don't even have them in Russia. There, There's whole studies. You can go up on, on the line and, and key in the, you know, 
horrific side effects of microwaves or microwave cooking. Bad, bad stuff. And it's just, it's totally suppressed in America. Yet one more way, they're trying to kill us off. I haven't used a microwave, nor do I own one, do I possess one. I haven't had one in years. Yeah, but it's so easy. I don't care. It's killing you. It is killing you. It is that bad for you. Uh, next thing, Dr. Jolly West. Um, West was a veteran of the CIA's MK Ultra mind control program, which, you know, obviously one of the most evil things on the planet. And, and there, and again, in Project, uh, in this whole thing with M, this remote viewing, and worked on interrogation techniques using hypnosis and, hypnosis and LSD. Oh, good. That's great. And again, LSD, you know, allows the demons to come in and it opens doorways and pathways into the mind that normally you might have to be at a very, very high occult level to get to. LSD just can do it on one hit. You know, this is why they love to use drugs because they can accomplish a lot more with these these, um, pharmakia drugs and the word for pharmacy or the word for the root word for sorcery in the bible is pharmakia okay well this is where we get the root word for pharmacy pharmaceutical that whole thing so i've done a whole teaching on uh pharmakia and sorcery that you can do a keyword search for continue for truth.com to see how that's related well i mean when you've got this cast of characters with this unbelievably horrific background associated with remote viewing and then the you know, to boot the the totally unreliable results, you know, kind of got a prescription for disaster here. Here's a guy that was worked with remote viewing who worked on interrogation using hypnosis, which I just did a teaching on a couple weeks ago exposing hypnosis and LSD, one of the worst drugs that's ever been created by humanity. West allegedly once killed an elephant by grossly overestimating a dose of LSD. What were you... What exactly are you trying to accomplish when you give an, an, an elephant a gigantic hit of LSD? I mean, are you going to like question him? Hey, Mr. Elephant, what are you seeing? I mean, are you seeing little green men? I mean, wh- wh- what are you going to get out of that? It's not like you can go interrogate the elephant or, or, or get useful information. I know they say he's got a memory like an elephant. Okay, great, but wh- <laughs> I just don't get that. Anyway... This guy killed an elephant with with a gigantic hit of LSD. I know it sounds comical, but you know, evidently it's what's you know known about this person. So let's go further. I said all that to say this. I got sent this video this week. I couldn't even watch the whole thing. It was so evil, so blasphemous, yet so subtle that I just I don't know. I don't even think I made it to the ten minute mark. I've entitled this Lies from the Pit of Hell Exposed Courtney Brown, who's a PhD, and his evil crucifixion ruse is the name of the video. And this real slick guy with a PhD is getting up there and he's talking to you and real melodiously and, and just, you know, very convincingly and doctorly that he has finally got the answer regarding Jesus Christ. And I'm just going to read you, and I don't agree with this, I'm, I'm reading you the basically the description of this video okay 
And it says, new evidence, or I call them lies, have been collected regarding the real historical Jesus and his crucifixion. Drama. This evidence changes everything we thought we knew about that event. Using remote viewing methodologies. Oh, so they're using remote viewing. Oh, now see, had I not set the stage for what remote viewing is, you'd think that and say, wow, what's remote viewing? No, we've already debunked it. We've already shown you all the nutcases surrounding it. We've already shown you it has no scientific validity, even when they try to pump $20 million into it. But this guy has finally got the answers, and he's going to use remote viewing methodologies derived from those developed by the United States military, Unfortunately, that was totally unsuccessful and unfruitful. But he's going to use those same techniques and that are used by, and for espionage purposes. Now we have a more complete picture of what apparently actually happened 2,000 years ago to Jesus Christ. Courtney Brown, PhD, the leading scholar in the field of remote viewing. So in other words, he sold his soul to Satan. I'm just kind of translating. Um, involving such procedures explains how this new data collected under under controlled experimental conditions. Oh, wow. Now you're telling me they had 50, they had 20 million they pumped into this stuff and they did all these supposed remote remote viewing things under controlled conditions that were unsuccessful. But now he's going to do it and he's finally figured it out. Okay, right. What these indicate is that someone else was crucified instead of Jesus. Someone else was crucified. You lying devil. Well, I mean, you know, if you believe any of that, then you might as well throw the whole Bible out. Because if Jesus Christ didn't die on the cross to pay our sin debt through his finished work on the cross, well, then he didn't rise again in three days. And I guess we're all hell bound. But see, that's exactly what they want you to think. Your religion's a lie. It's a farce. And they're trying to undermine the literal foundation of the religion because they know, Satan knows, if the foundations be destroyed, what can the righteous do? So, they're going right for the juggler vein. You know? Doesn't surprise me. Moreover, the data indicate that Jesus took part in the ruse. So, now they're calling our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ a liar too. And part of the whole deception he wasn't the one crucified, and Jesus Christ took part in the whole ruse. I, I, you, I don't even advise watching the video. You, you, I, I was not. You, you'll get hot. It's such lies, you know. It's such unsubstantiated, and they're basing it off remote viewing of all things, of all things you could base it off of, you know. Going further, Jesus, it said that Jesus took part in the ruse, a risky plan that made Jesus into a martyr. Well, actually, a false martyr is what he means. Allowing his teachings to be spread across the millennia. These data also support the idea that Judas was a primary conspirator in that he acted to save and not betray Jesus. So now, everything about the biblical account of the cross is total lies according to these devils. From the pit of hell. Maybe if his tongue rotted out of his head like that happened to Agrippa with the worms and stuff. Maybe if something like that happened, and I, re I really do believe those days are coming, 
Maybe that all men would see and fear and declare the work of God, that they would wisely consider of God's doing, that the righteous would be glad in the Lord and trusted him and all the upright in heart with glory, according to Psalm 64. That's what we need a little bit more of. God's judgment is the point I'm trying to make. On wicked, evil lies like this. But it is part of the strong delusion that God said he was going to send in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. That they will believe a lie, that they might all be damned to receive not the love of the truth, but had pleasure in unrighteousness. So, you have to kind of balance the two. You can get mad about it, but it's also God's allowing it to happen. It's, it's kind of a biblical balance there. Uh, doesn't mean that it's not supposed to get us angry <laughs> when we see these lies. Let's go further. Uh, so now Judas was a, 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 was a conspirator, but this was to save and not betray Jesus. Importantly, this new evidence does not diminish Jesus or his legacy. How could it possibly not do that? It would totally destroy everything. And they know that. They just like to say that to throw a little bone to whatever Christians, whatever maybe lukewarm Christians reading this, thinking, wow, I finally found the truth. But And it says right here that can't be against Jesus because it said it doesn't diminish his legacy. So I'll believe what Satan says. I mean, this guy, which is certainly just Satan's, essentially he's just Satan's mouthpiece. So Courtney Brown explains why Jesus had no choice but to allow the crucifixion event to occur as it did an explanation that is based on an interpretation of quantum physics, which is also intricately linked with a lot of this occult, very, very high-level occultism. Quantum physics and uh, sacred geometry, if you see that term, always bad, bad red flags. A lot of this garbage that people tend to get into where they think that they've got it all figured out professing themselves to be wise, they became fools, as the Bible says in Romans chapter 1. Going further, now the new evidence allows us to finally to understand his teachings more fully. Something that was not possible in Jesus' day. It seems likely that Jesus knew the truth would one day come out once we matured as a civilization. Oh, you mean like going from the age of Pisces into the age of Aquarius, which is what all the New Agers and all the Ascended Masters and all the people getting abducted are, are being told that we have to, we're, we're getting ready to make our next evolutionary leap from the age of Pisces into the dawning of the age of Aquarius or the New World Order where we will become as gods? Just like kind of Satan promised back in Genesis 3, the same old lie just rehashed? Yeah, the same thing. Same exact thing. Just so you know, Satan hasn't changed his tactics, and that's obvious. And then it goes on to say, that day is today. Meaning, as we've matured as a civilization. I mean, just look around us at all the maturity. I mean, people ready to, to you know, slit each other's throats for, for a pair of uh, Jordan high tops or whatever. And um, Kim Kardashian getting Botox treatments and that being front page news or whatever. I can't even put, I can't even, you know, I don't even try to even get into that garbage, but I mean, you know, every once in a while you see something, it's like, oh wow, that is going to change my life. Finally, I'm complete as a person. I can die in peace and it's all good. It's all good. You know, stuff like that. So, yeah, I totally agree. We have way mega matured as a civilization and um, we're ready for this next, next evolutionary leap. I really think we are. Uh, and then it says, that day is today. Look at the data yourself. 
Learn about the methodologies used to collect them, and then decide for yourself. The methodologies are remote viewing. We've already, it's already debunked itself. I don't have to debunk it. It's already debunked itself. It's lies. They might as well scry a crystal ball. And have some lady dressed up like a gypsy who's a witch and, and, and read, read my fortune and, and read my palm and, and do whatever or do a tarot card reading on me so that, you know, you're going to get very comparable results, I'm sure. I'm not going to play any of the video. I, I can't. I don't even want to give this guy a voice. I do have the link if you do want to watch it because I don't think it's fair to say, well, this is what this is. I mean... But just remember, if you watch it, it's all based on the criteria they have derived from remote viewing. Now, coincidentally enough, like I said before, the people that are getting abducted, the people that are, and again, it's 3 to 4% of the population, according to polls, that's into the millions. Are they all nuts? Are they all lying? Are they all making this up? Okay? Or the people that are channeling spirits. Or the people that are having interactions with these supposed ascended masters. Okay? All of these occult writings are saying a very, very um, a similar, very, very similar thing. And a lot of what they're being told is that, oh, you got it all messed up about Jesus. He's one of us. He's an ascended master just like us. And... He's actually one of the lesser ascended masters. We call him Master Jesus, or Sananda Emmanuel. I'm not lying, this is what they call him. The ascended master, fake knockoff version of Jesus. And he's coming back. And it's funny, he looks the same as that guy in all those pictures hanging in all the, the Roman Catholic churches gave us. The, the ones that, the one that Michelangelo gave us, the really long-haired Adonis version, Jesus. Yeah, and it's kind of funny because the Bible says there's no beauty in him that we would behold him, or that we would desire him in the Bible, regarding the real Jesus. In other words, he wasn't like this really good-looking man with long hair when the Bible says that doesn't nature therefore itself teacheth us that it is a shame for a man to have long hair? It says that right in the New Testament. So these, all these images we have perceived in our mind, where do they come from? Well, the most wicked institution on the planet, the Catholic Church, essentially. They're the, they're the ones who propagated them. So that when this Sananda Emmanuel, or this Master Jesus, or he's also called Esau Sananda Emmanuel, I don't want to you know, leave out his full name, when he does make his big debut, everybody's going to say, hey, that's the same guy in the picture, that must be the real Jesus. And that's all it's going to take for millions of people to buy into this hook, line, and sinker. Guaranteed all the Catholics will be there. And most of the people that would identify themselves as Christians are going to fall for it just because of that one thing. You better, you better get armed with the proper knowledge. My children are destroyed for lack of knowledge. Don't be destroyed for lack of knowledge. If it were possible, they shall deceive the very elect. These false prophets, these antichrists, these wicked people. They're gonna, they're gonna, the antichrist and the false prophet are going to deceive the whole world with signs and lying wonders and miracles. And there's going to be plenty of them. Plenty of them coming. And... If you want to know more about that key in Master Jesus, or even Jesus in the keyword search box at contendingfortruth.com, I've done one dedicated study on him, and him and Maitreya, and how they interplay um, as well. But don't fall for that. But when you see these 
channeling, when you see the results of these channeling, when you see the results of what people are being told from being abducted, the channelings, the occult writings, it's usually that, um, always an account of Jesus that never matches the Bible. They're going to always say, oh no, you got, you got it all messed up. Yes, most of the time now they're not saying that Jesus didn't exist, because it's too hard to prove, too easy to prove he was a historical figure. And this is what the second part of the study gets into. It's too, it's too impossible. But they'll, they're going to say it was their version. And that version is wildly different depending on what ascended master, what occult writing, what... And again, that's how you know it's a lie. So I say, just stick with the King James Bible, the, the, word of, the, the, the true word of God in the English-speaking language, and don't worry about any of this other garbage that they're purporting, because there's so many different versions of what actually happened from an occult standpoint regarding Jesus. And there's all these new Gospels they're supposedly finding buried somewhere, Gospel of Judas now, Gospel of Barnabas, all of these other extra-Catholic writings that, you know, they've got in the Apocrypha and these types of things, and, and there's just a lot of garbage out there. I've done a whole teaching on the Apocrypha not too long ago. If you want to know more about that, just key that in in the search box. So, I wanted to say that, but I also wanted to then get into some other teachings I've done dedicated to the subject where they're attacking the historical account of Jesus Christ. One of the first ones I ever did was in uh, February 25th of 7, and it's called Blasphemy Alert, The Lost Tomb of Jesus. And I'm just going to read you the, uh, the uh, description here so you have an idea, and then if you want to hear it later, then you can click on it. It's, it's in the PDF. In this audio teaching, uh, we will be exploring the unimaginable heresy that the, the Discovery Channel will be airing this coming Sunday. This teaching expands upon a recent article that appeared in CuttingEdge.org entitled, Could the Most Devastating Propaganda Blow Against Christianity Be Unfolding Now? This article deals with a new film that documents the discovery of a cave in Jerusalem that supposedly contains ten caskets believed to hold the remains of Jesus, Mary, Mary Magdalene, and others. In fact, a press conference was held by the Discovery Channel on February 26th, 11 a.m. in New York City, in which what was thought to be the ossuaries or the caskets of Jesus of Nazareth and Mary Magdalene were unveiled. So you can see how the Discovery Channel and the History Channel and a lot of these other, they're, they're at full bore to try to discredit the historical account of Jesus Christ. I mean, because, think about it, if they've got Jesus' body, then he never rose from the dead. <laughs> okay? Uh, the, might as well just throw the whole Bible out, or the or bare minimum, the New Testament. Okay? So they're always trying to paint Jesus Christ out to be a liar. That's what they want to do. They're not going to come out and say Jesus was a liar. They're just going to say you got history messed up. No, they're calling Jesus Christ a liar. That's what they're doing. And I'm here to defend him. And I'm not saying there's not others. I'm just saying that's what I'm trying to do here. So, um, then it goes on to say, realize that this is also a total confirmation of the blasphemous Da Vinci Code heresy. The Da Vinci Code, okay, as well, which also gives a very similar view. And um, I believe one of these studies we debunked that as well. Satan is stepping up his attack on the Lord Jesus Christ, and we as Christians need to arm ourselves with truth. 
as truth is light and light exposes darkness. Okay, next one is a study I did. This is in chronological order. Debunking the Lost Tomb of Jesus, which is directed by 33rd degree Freemason and occultist. Um, just scrolling down here. Some of these, I, um, I, don't, I didn't have it set up like I did before where I actually listed just a brief thing in the table of contents. I would give an actual description of everything I did in one big paragraph. So it's, I get into a little bit further into the teaching. It says, the rest of the teaching focuses on the lost tomb of Jesus heresy and then the backgrounds of the director, 33rd degree Freemason and occultist James Cameron, and the producer... Unorthodox Jew, Saminka Jacobivi, sorry. We will then debunk this heresy from a historical and archaeological viewpoint. Lastly, we will review an email correspondence I received regarding my first audio presentation on Lost Tomb of Jesus Heresy. This is a first-hand account and confirmation of how this heresy and others like it will cause many to fall away from Christianity. Again, this is part of the strong delusion that God is permitting According to Second Thessalonians, Second Thessalonians chapter two, um, where the wicked, the Antichrist, is going to be revealed, and there's going to be a falling away of the church. So uh, that's that particular teaching. So the next teaching, and, and again in chronological order, this is from April thirteenth, two thousand eight. It's entitled "Bloodline and the Da Vinci Code: Attack on Jesus Christ." Uh, in May of 2008, another documentary picture is going to start showing in movie theaters designed to sow doubt in people's minds that Jesus was truly divine and that he, that he remained unmarried until his death. This movie even goes so far as to call the facts of Jesus a, quote, lie, as will be his death. The movie even goes, oh, as will be demonstrated, the peoples of the world need to become convinced in vast numbers that Jesus claims to be God and to be a unique savior of the world and that those facts are lies. This has to happen before the Antichrist can arise. The storyline of the documentary is distressingly similar to the Da Vinci Code, which sought to prove that Jesus did not really die, but escaped from the tomb, uh, got to a village, married Mary Magdalene, and had a child by her. Okay, which is also very similar of the whole thing that started this satanic snowball rolling down the hill, which was Holy Blood, Holy Grail, the book that came out in like the, I don't know, late 70s, early 80s, I think. Holy Blood, Holy Grail, which is where a lot of this garbage started. So, and this is where we get the whole Merovingian bloodline garbage, so, of the Illuminati. Uh... So they're saying Jesus Christ escaped from the cross, he didn't die, he got into a village, married Mary Magdalene, had a child by her. Then, as the Christian church was exploding in popularity, Jesus was killed, forcing Mary Magdalene to flee with the help of friends to what is called today Normandy, France. Now, again, there's different accounts of this, because, see, Satan can't, Satan can't keep all his facts straight. So he's got one little satanic sect over here telling one little cadre of lies, and then another little satanic sect over here propagating this cadre of lies, and they're never on the same page, which just goes to show you that they're liars. They can't get their facts straight. The Word of God, though, never changes. So just stick with the anvil of truth, the King James Bible, in the English-speaking language, and you'll be fine. Okay, don't follow man. Don't follow some garbage like this. The Bible says, Cursed be the man that trusteth in man, that maketh flesh his arm, and whose heart departeth from the Lord. Okay? Don't believe man. If what a man tells you contradicts the word of God, get away from him. Including myself. 
Okay? So I'm not holding them to a higher accountability than I would hold myself to. So just do that, and, and you'll, you'll spare yourself tons and tons and tons of agony and grief. So let's go further here. Getting back to the article, um, Mary was then pregnant after she fled to Normandy, France. This is what the lies teach, um, this uh, particular thing, study we're doing. Mary was pregnant at the time. She fled and delivered a baby girl shortly after in Normandy. I don't even like saying this stuff. It's so blasphemous. In due time, this daughter of Mary and Jesus married a Merovingian prince, thus supposedly linking the bloodline of the Merovingian family in Jesus Christ. Why is this storyline so important? It is important because the Antichrist must prove his lineage back to King David if he is to convince the Jews and the other peoples of the world that he is of the Jewish Messiah. Old Testament prophecy clearly states that the Messiah will come from the house of David, which is why the Bible contains Matthew chapter 1. Proving Jesus' lineage back to King David, we know that the Antichrist somehow will have to be able to prove his lineage back to David. So now, I've done several teachings on that whole subject as well, on a full report on the lineage of Antichrist as opposed to the lineage of Jesus Christ. I give you a, it's actually a 12-part teaching, but it's on the Antichrist in general. I did this back in 08. It's, it was... It's a four-part teaching, but they're not all entitled the same thing, and I don't know why I did it that way, but the first one is, is Obama the Antichrist? Which we debunk, he's not the Antichrist, okay? And then, that's like the first four parts. And then the next part is, the Antichrist and King Solomon. Very interesting stuff here. Uh, That's parts five through seven. Then the next, uh, I think, eight through twelve, is entitled, the Antichrist, the tribe of Dan, Mount Hermon, Fallen Angels and the Giants. So it's a rather in-depth study, kind of a whirlwind tour of the whole Antichrist lineage, Jesus Christ lineage, the whole Merovingian bloodline thing. Covered a lot of bases. Anyway, just way too much more for me to go into detail here. I give you the links here. And then also the last thing here I had in that thing is the Shroud of Turin biblically debunked. Because this plays into it too. Oh, the Catholics have the actual burial shroud of Jesus Christ. No, they don't. No, they don't. No, they don't. And it's easily, it's very easy to prove that biblically, that that shroud of turn cannot be the burial shroud of Jesus Christ. Okay? Now, I'm just going to, well, I cover a lot of stuff in this particular teaching, but... The, the description is, we will do a detailed study to totally debunk the Shroud of Turin Catholic heresy. You will be amazed at how easy, easily this abomination is biblically proven as a hoax. You know, I hardly see anybody going against that today. Particularly the ministries that I've been exposing as of late that seem to be becoming more and more Catholic by the day. Or more and more promoting of Catholic doctrine. Oh yes, the Shroud of Turin, it's, it's real. No, it's not. No, it's not. It's so easy to prove it. I'm not going to give it away. You, you got you got to listen to the study to do it. And then also, I give you the PDF. It's there should be a PDF with all of these that you can click on. And then if it takes you to a div share link, which it probably will be, it'll take you to a page, and you need to scroll down just a little bit, and you'll see a green download button. Like when you click on the link off the actual page, you'll you come up to a page, and you won't see the PDF. Scroll down, you'll see a green download button. Click on that, and it should load for you. Okay, so it's 
you're, you're going to be amazed at how easy it is to debunk that. Probably one of the easiest things I've ever done. But it's like I bring that up and people don't want to hear it. I'm like, why? It's a Catholic hoax heresy. Anyway, easily provable. Now, last part, which relates to this, is, and again, this is the part, this is from page 12 to 31. I'm only going to cover a little bit of this, because it's too much to cover in one study. And this is something where it's kind of like, study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. Well, Second uh, Timothy 2.15. This is one of those ones where it would kind of really go into that. You'd really want to study this and look at this and, you know, meditate on it. it, it it's, it's amazing, this information. But it's not something I can just totally spoon-feed you on this one. Not to say I spoon-feed you, but I'm just saying uh, you, you, you need to look at this a little further if you're, if you're interested. Uh, it's called Jesus Christ and the Law of Probability. After examining only 48 different prophecies... Even though he could have used 456, Professor Emeritus of Science at Westmont College, Peter Stoner, has calculated the probability of one man fulfilling the major prophecies made concerning Jesus Christ. He just used 48 of the possible, 456 that he did fulfill from Old and New Testament, okay? Uh, bear in mind these Old Testament prophecies were written by different unrelated authors of the Bible hundreds and hundreds of years earlier. It's another thing that makes it even more astounding. Twelve different classes of 600 different college students worked out the estimates. The students carefully weighed all the factors, discussed each prophecy at length, and examined the various circumstances which might indicate that men had conspired together to, f- to fulfill a particular prophecy. They made their estimates conservative enough so that there was finally unanimous agreement among even the most skeptical students. Not only that, but when Professor Stoner took their, their estimates and made, and uh, finally he made them even more conservative. He also encouraged other skeptics and scientists to make their own estimates to prove that his conclusions were more than fair, meaning he underestimated the actual final odds that we're going to be looking at here. Finally, he submitted his figures to review to a committee of American scientific affiliation. Upon examination, they verified that his calculations were dependable and accurate in regard to the scientific material presented. For example, concerning Micah 5.2, where it states that the Messiah would be born in Bethlehem, Stoner and his students determined the average population of Bethlehem from the time of Micah to the present. They then divided it by the average population of the earth during the same period. They then concluded that the chance of one man being born in Bethlehem was 2.8 times 10 to the 5th power, or rounded out 1 in 300,000. In the final calculation, Stoner used 48 prophecies, even though he could have used 456, and arrived at an extremely conservative estimate that the 48 that the probability of the 48 prophecies being fulfilled in by one person is 10 to the 157th power. That's the odds. 10 to the 157th power. How large is 10 to the 157th power? Well, that's the number 10 to the, uh, basically it's 10 to the 157 contains 157 zeros. That's how big the number is. 
I mean, it's so far beyond a trillion, you, you can't even comprehend it. So, the odds, of, it would be like 1 to the 157th power. We're talking odds that you can't even possibly ever conceive. And, I'm, and we're going to make this more real to you in a second here. That We're going to give you an actual um, description of what this would be like. The actual odds of this. Let us try to illustrate the number using electrons. Okay, Electrons are very, very small objects. They are smaller than atoms. They're part of an atom. Okay, Protons, neutrons, electrons. Anyway, it would take 2.5 times 10 to the 15th power of them. The 15th power laid side by side just to make one inch. Okay, So this is how small they are. 2.5 times 10 to the 15th power, just to make a line of them one inch long. Even if we counted four electrons every second and counted day and night, it would still take us 19 million years just to count a line of electrons one inch long. It's a lot of electrons for one inch. It takes 19 million years to count that many. How many electrons would there be then if we were dealing with 10 to the 157th power? Okay, because we're just talking about ten to the um, two point five times times ten to the fifteenth power. What if we go to the one hundred fifty seventh power? Okay, let's 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 imagine. Imagine building a solid ball of electrons that would extend in all directions from the Earth six billion light years. <laughs> six billion light years. Just electrons. It's a ball. A ball of electrons, the, the tiniest particles just about that there are, that we know of. I know there's quarks and there's tachyons and stuff like that, but I'm just saying, for argument's sake. A solid ball of electrons that would, that would extend in all directions from the Earth, 6 billion light years. The distance in miles of just one light year is 6.4 trillion miles. That's just one light year. This is 6 billion light years. So, the distance of just one light year is 6.4 trillion miles. That would be a big ball. No pun intended. But not big enough to measure 10 to the 157th power of electrons. Still not big enough. In order to do that, you must take that big ball of electrons, reaching the length of 6 billion light years long in all directions and multiply it by 6 times 10 to the 28th power. How big is that? It's the length of space required to store trillions and trillions and trillions of the same gigantic balls of these electrons, and even more. In fact, the space required to store all of these balls combined together would just start to scratch the surface of the number of electrons we would need to really accurately speak of 10 to the 157th power. Assuming that you have some idea of the number of electrons we're talking about at this point, imagine marking just one of the electrons in one of the balls that extend out, was it, six billion light years or something in all directions? Yeah, six billion light years in all directions. Let me start over. Uh, Imagine just marking one of those electrons in that huge number. Stirring them all up, then appointing one person to travel in a rocket for as long as he wants, 
anywhere he wants to go, and now tell him to stop the rocket in space, take a high-powered microscope, because that's what it would require to see an electron, and find that one marked electron in the six billions of millions of miles or billions of light years in all directions, find that one electron. You ever heard of the needle in the haystack? Well, this is like the needle in the haystack on like, you know, cosmic steroids or something. That doesn't even quite, it doesn't even remotely do it justice, okay? So tell them to rock, stop the rocket in space, take a high-powered microscope and find that one marked electron. What do you think his chances are of being successful? Well, that would be 10 to the 157th power. Remember, this number represents the chances of only 48 prophecies coming true regarding Jesus Christ from the Old Testament. Whereas, we could have used 456 prophecies. <laughs> so, I mean, you, what do you say? I mean, you, you, you can't even... You can't even comprehend that number I just talked about, but we could have used 456? It's beyond human comprehension. Just like God. Beyond human comprehension. In financial terms, is there one, is there anyone who would not invest in a financial venture if the chance of failure was only 1 in 10 to the 157th power? No, because you would, you would have virtually, essentially, no chance of ever possibly failing. This kind of sure investment is what we are offered by God for belief of salvation in Jesus Christ, the Messiah. Think about that. All this illustrates why it is absolutely impossible for anyone to have fulfilled the messianic prophecies by chance. And here we got these devils up here with this remote view and say, oh, no, 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 none of that happened. Sorry, you're a liar. This is the kind of evidence that proves there must be a God who supernaturally gave us this information. Let's keep in mind that we've only illustrated 48 out of the 456 Messianic prophecies already fulfilled. Out of the over 8,000 total verses in the Bible of prophecy, of which thousands of verses have already been fulfilled already as well. (laughs) So, I mean, you know, it's just laughable. It's just... You know, well, if somebody says, well, "What do you base your faith on?" Well, this is a good thing to take them to right here. I mean, granted, I'm not saying it's the only thing, but it's sure pretty much overwhelmingly convincing. How are you going to debunk this? Well, I don't believe it. Oh, well, okay. There is a way which seemeth right unto a man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. You know, and the fool has said in his heart, "There is no God." You know. The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? He who trusteth in his own heart is a fool. That's the verses that kind of come to mind for me when I think about somebody saying, well, I don't believe it. Well, the facts are not on your side. Also remember that these prophecies were written anywhere from hundreds to thousands of years earlier by different unrelated men that lived for the most part in totally different time eras. Jesus Christ's life is a historical fact. His birth year is how we divide time. Evidenced by the term B.C., before Christ, in our dating method. There were so many other confirmations of Jesus Christ's existence by various record keepers of his era as well. 
So if you're not already done so, please accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior and receive his free gift of salvation today. I give you a link to my salvation tab or go to my site at contendingfortruth.com, click on True Salvation and listen to the audios in the order listed. There is no more important decision that you will ever make, ever. To take that step in for a, um, a small uh, sampling of some of the prophecies mentioned, see below, and I give you all the prophecies. I mean, I think I give you every one uh, of these 356 or whatever mentioned here. No, 456, I'm sorry. That's off by 100. <laughs> anyway, uh, yeah, you can go see those. I give you all those. No, the argument has been made that Jesus deliberately fulfilled these prophecies. But most of the prophecies were completely beyond his control. Like his place of birth, Micah 5.2, his time of birth, Daniel 9.25 and Genesis 49.10, his manner of birth, Isaiah 7.14, his betrayal, Psalm 4. Psalm 41.9, Zechariah 11.12, Zechariah 11.13b, his manner of death, Psalms 22.16, people's reaction, mocking, spitting, staring, etc., which uh, were mentioned in Isaiah 56.56, Micah 5.1, Psalm 22.7-8, Isaiah 53.3, Psalm 69.8, Psalm 118.22, Psalm 69.4, Isaiah 49.7, Psalm 38.11, Psalm 22.7, Psalm 109.25, Psalm 22.17, the way he was pierced on the cross, Zechariah 12.10, Psalm 22.16, and his burial, Isaiah 53.9. And these are just things that he would have had no control over. I mean, yeah, like he's going to have control over what they did to him on the cross. Yeah, make sure you stick the spear in me right here to fulfill prophecy. Remember? Remember that thing in Zechariah? I don't think so. I mean, I don't mean to be irreverent. I'm just saying it's so, it's so, it's, it's crazy to even think that. You know what I mean? But, this is what you would have to, this is the leap of logic that you would have to make to say, well, he, he did it, he did it himself, he, he deliberately did it, but it was out of his control. He couldn't have done it. It's impossible. Other, he was under the control of other people. Granted, he put himself there. He could have called a legion, legions of angels down from heaven and, you know, but he didn't do that. So, another argument is that the prophecies were written at or after a time, after the time of Jesus, these prophecies, okay? In other words, the Old Testament prophecies, (laughs) and were therefore fabricated. The problem with this argument is that the historic date of the completion of the Old Testament is 450 B.C. So, in other words, the historic date that the Old Testament was completed was 450 B.C. 450 years before Jesus Christ's birth. I mean, that's a historical fact. It's not like we just made that up. Even the Jews would be able to verify that. And they, they would be able to verify and, and they don't, I mean, for the most part, at least today, the Bible says, blindness in part, blindness in part has happened to Israel until the fullness of the Gentiles come in. So they're still blind, for the most part, to the truth about Jesus Christ. They're not going to want to do anything to validate, you know, the historical count of him. But they'll, I guarantee you the, uh, the, the uh, Jews will validate that the 450 B.C. Was the, was the historic date of completion of the Old Testament. And the Septuagint uh, and the Greek translation of the Hebrew Scriptures was initiated by the reign of Ptolemy Philadelphus, 
who reigned from 285 to 246 BC, the Hebrew Old Testament must have been available in its entirety for it to be translated commencing at 250 BC, which is essentially 200 years after its completion in 450 BC. And that's well, well, well before Jesus Christ was ever born. In other words, all those Old Testament prophecies about Jesus Christ, the Messiah, that was already set in stone, essentially. 200 years, bare minimum, really 450 years before he was ever ever even born. How do you get around that one? (laughs) Isn't this, like, awesome? (laughs) Praise the Lord! Again, if this don't get you fired up your woods wet, this is enough to make a Presbyterian run the aisles. Sorry, a little Baptist humor. Um, not to say I'm a Baptist, but I was in a Baptist church at one time. Anyway, and did you ever think about how the birth of Christ some 2,000 years ago split historical time forever? All the time before his birth is recorded as B.C. or before Christ, and all the time afterwards as the years of our Lord or Anno Domini or A.D., Even the Jews and and other non-believers and historians and scientists who would still rather use the nomenclature BCE before the Common Era. This is what they love to try to change it to in the current history books. BCE. That's what it actually stood for all along. Oh, you mean it never stood for before Christ? No. You're a liar. (laughs) It always stood for that. You just added the E on the end of the BC to make it more... You know, why don't you go worship Charles Darwin a little bit more? And you got to polish up his, his little idolic statue on your front porch. Because most of these people would be Darwinists that would do that, I think. Anyway, they would rather use the, the nomenclature BCE or before the common era or CE common era um, than still use the birth of Christ as the demarcation of the so-called common era. Unbelievable, isn't it? The Hebrew prophet Isaiah prophesied about the birth of Messiah some 700 years before his birth. Uh, A child is born unto us, a a son will be given to us, and the government will rest on his shoulders, and his name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Eternal Father, Prince of Peace, Isaiah 9.6. Isaiah was also accurately predicted that he would be born of a virgin in Isaiah 7.14. Now, from here on out, and I'm not going to cover this because it's just too much, it's 16 pages of Bible verses, of all these Bible verses we just mentioned. Okay, I'm pretty sure they're all there. If they're not, they're close to it. And, like, I give you um, just... Thing I, oh, then here's another link. Scientific and mathematical proof that the Bible prophecy is true and accurate. That's a link you can click on a YouTube video. There's another one. And then the next one is the amazing scientific accuracy of the Bible's oldest book, which is a whole other thing, which, which is related to just the Bible itself being biblically accurate. Um, Jesus Christ included in that, but then a lot of other things that they talk about. And then the next article, uh, ancient evidence for Jesus from non-Christian sources. So you'll say, yeah, well, there's no, it's just a big Christian conspiracy. No. There were all kind of non-Christian sources that, it was. he was a historical fact. Yeah, I'm sure that we divide time to this day because it was just some big made-up hoax. Just like this guy from the remote viewing guy. We're supposed to take all of this historical record and all the stuff that I just mentioned. And you know what? That None of it matters. It, it, it's all a big ruse and lies. It's the most brilliant 
ruse I've ever seen in my life. I mean, the whole thing about the odds on the 10 to the 157th power, I mean, yeah, I mean, I'm sure you could really pull that off. Um, so you have to understand, the, the facts, the odds, everything, as a born-again Bible-believing Christian, are so on your side, it's not even debatable, it's not, I mean, yeah, it, it can be debatable, but the debaters are going to have to ignore huge, huge swaths of information in order to justify their unbiblical, ungodly, essentially pagan position. And here, again, ancient evidence for Jesus from non-Christian sources. So that would debunk that one. Because you could, you know, they could say, yo, it's just conspiracy. No, there's a whole bunch of people that wrote about them that were non-Christians, and this is highly referenced, highly, highly Highly referenced. Then we get into all the Bible verses where, born in Bethlehem. Okay, Old Testament scripture. Micah 5.2. Where was it fulfilled? Matthew 2.5-6. Um, born of the seed of a woman. Of uh, the seed of Abraham. Uh, all nations blessed by... And it gives, you, it gives you the Old Testament scripture, and then it gives you the fulfillment. And it's over and over and over and over. So, again... The facts are so beyond our side, it's not even funny. So anyway, that's all I've got for today. I'm going to take the uh, skip next week, and Lord willing, we'll be back the week after that, uh, skip another week, and then probably, hopefully, Lord willing, resume the every week uh, study. So God bless you, and I'll go ahead and close this out in a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we do thank you for this day and this time you've given us. All of your goodness and mercy, Lord. I do pray, Lord, that you'd forgive us for any and all sins we've committed as we forgive those who have sinned against us, and that the words of our mouth and the meditations of our heart would be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer, that you would cleanse us from presumptuous sins and secret faults, that they would not have dominion over us, that you would bless, Lord God, the body of Christ and my listeners, Lord, and um, all the ministries and people and Christians out there propagating your truth, uh, trying to lead people to the Lord God, and I just pray that you would work mightily uh, through us, Lord, that your name would be glorified through us. And we ask all these things in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen.